brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Grading off seasons this week in next Monday with the NL West, but we're going to go AL East on Monday, AL Central Tuesday, AL West Wednesday, NL East Thursday, NL Central Friday, NL West the following Monday. We start with the American League East. Jack Aram, just baseball show on Monday, February 6th. You're getting over a bit of a bug, and what better way to get over that bug than to talk about Adam Frazier and Masataka Yoshida, right? Uh, the, the, I don't even put those two in the same conversation because I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the, the Adam Frazier thing. Trust me, I've been as I've been laying in the bed in my bed for the last couple of days thinking about like what I'm what we're gonna talk about for this specifically today. That was the one where I was like, man, I, how, how excited I am to talk about Adam Frazier with the Baltimore Orioles. But I'll save it for then because that there's so much I have to say about that signing. But I, I'm excited. It's it's time to you know grade these off seasons. Uh, it's time to kind of wrap a bow on the offseason. I know that there's still some like moving parts. Like why the hell is Jerickson Profar not been signed yet? I have no idea, but you know, I know there's some final moves that have to be made, but for the most part, I think we can pretty definitively, you know, grade these off seasons that kind of puts the off season in the rear view. And then we shift forward to projections, predictions and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm excited to do this, wrap a bow on 2022 uh, and get really excited for, for going into 2023. We're like here, dude. We're at baseball season. Pitchers and catchers report what end of next week. I saw Jamison Tyone tweeted plane emoji to Arizona. Like this guy's gonna be there. Graham Ashcraft just left for spring training yesterday. I saw his wife put something out. So, I mean, these guys are going baseball seasons here. I loved seeing the fan fest stuff. I I think that's great. You know, a lot of teams it's like, um, you know, you, you do the, the same old song and dance and, and the Marlins, I'm sure like I went to Sox Fest, I went to the Cubs convention or whatever they call it, Cubs Fest. And, it, you know, it's just spewing the positive PR. And for a 500 team, it's just it's ho-hum, whatever. But the the crowd size at Petco for yeah. Padres Fan Fest was insane. Yeah. How about Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall chugging beers with fans in Baltimore? Like, there's something good about teams that have good vibes going into the year. The vibes are starting right before spring training, and that's honestly given me that kick in the ass that I needed where it's like, holy shit, dude, baseball's here. 
No, it's it's awesome. That's kind of been that that turning of the page, and I think you really get it as as a general sports fan right after the Super Bowl. But the one thing I'll say about the the, the crowd at Petco Park, great weather helps, of course. Yeah. Uh, but but first and foremost, the the crowd that you get there for the Padres is a, a direct result of investing in your team. And I'm not saying everybody has to pet you know add the way that the Padres had. Uh, but I think even if the Padres didn't make you know the Soto move, I. Th- I think people are still excited enough about this team to, to be showing out big time because of the other moves that they've made. Like this is a team that has invested in not only winning, but, but earning the trust of fans. And I think we're seeing the result here. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? Put out a good product and have a lot more people, you know, go to buy the opportunity to go consume that product. It's, it's, it's really simple, but for whatever reason, not simple enough for some other organizations, but now I'm excited for uh, the, the February to get going into pitchers and catchers spring training. And then before we know it, you know, we're, we're ready to go and the world baseball classic again, perfect kind of bridge to that point. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, what I will say is on the baseball field, you may look at $280 million for Xander Bogarts and say, wow, that's an overpay compared to market value. I think those fan fest type things where you see that massive outpouring of support and you see Xander Bogarts in that Padres jersey smiling with Juan Soto, apparently pissed that Juan Soto snatched the apartment in San Diego that Bogarts wanted and (laughs) and Machado and Tatis together, like everybody's smiling that foursome that creates this buzz And you think about, you know, the money that was spent at Petco Park on a non-game day, you know, you're making a lot of that money back already. Like 280 for the Padres, because they have commit to the product, it's not going to hurt at any point. Yep. Yep. And that's why I said, like, even if they didn't get Soto, adding Xander to this equation there, I think is enough to get fans really excited and really bought in. So uh, I'm excited. That's that's the team to watch for me this year. And, And I think obviously the community the larger san diego community yeah. feels the same way i'm big on the tigers this year but we'll talk about uh <laughs> the al east and uh we're, we're going to start with a team that didn't commit to the product as much as i think you me peter everybody else was um almost convinced that they were going to commit to the product and that's the baltimore orioles here's what they did yeah. this offseason they signed adam frazier to a one-year eight million dollar deal they signed kyle gibson to a one-year ten million dollar deal Michael Givens to one year five with a mutual option in 2024. They acquired James McCann in a salary dump for the Mets, even though the Mets are taking on a lot of it. They acquired Cole Irvin and Kyle Verbitsky for Daryl Arnaiz. Um, and then they added Darwin's in Hernandez, Nomar Mazzara, Franchi Cordero, Daz Cameron, Lewin Diaz, who finally cleared waivers, Ryan O'Hearn and Josh Lester on minor league deals. We were promised a buy into this team. We didn't get it. They added some pieces. Um, my first grade is a D. I, I give Baltimore a D because while they did add, they added two veteran arms. When you needed starting pitching help, I guess you kind of got it. They didn't help themselves in any way. So they they checked boxes, but it wasn't a, a good pen checking those boxes. No, yeah, I, I, I was, you know, kind of between a D and a D minus. I was trying to figure out exactly, you know, where I stand on it. And it's weird because almost any addition that a team makes, I'm not going to to dock any points here. But I almost wanted to slide it to a D minus because of the addition of Adam Frazier. I, I couldn't think of a fit that makes less sense than Adam Frazier. And I'll get to the pitching in a second. But, okay, you, you, you sign a guy here that can play second base, you know, 
doesn't really play much much else around the infield. Can play corner outfield, like kind of that utility ish role to, for them. But he's a bat to ball guy that's now going into a park that's very hard to hit it out of. And on top of that, you are so set at all of the different positions. Like you have four different prospects that could come up and make, I think, bigger of an impact than Adam Frazier in his 81 WRC plus last season. He had that really nice half a season. And I think now all of a sudden we're like waiting for him to get back to that. He wasn't that before. He hasn't been that since. And I don't know why Frazier continues to get these opportunities. The, the Orioles aren't competing for a world series this year. This is a team that we wanted to see build off of what was a really fun year where they, you know, expedited the timeline a little bit. Adam Frazier is not putting you over the top. And if he's taking at bats away from a Connor Norby, a Jordan Westberg, uh, even even some of the other guys in the outfield. I'd rather see Taron Vavra get some at-bats than, than Adam Frazier. I think Vavra could be just as good. So I don't really understand this one. Um, I'd even rather watch Mateo. Yeah, and, and you shuffle around the infield. So there's so many better options. He's going to get some starts in the outfield. He's going to kind of move all over. I'm okay with him as a bench option, but he specifically said, like, I'm looking forward to playing every day. Obviously, they're paying him to play every day, too, and they probably told him that. I hate it from that perspective. So that almost makes me want to make it a D- minus because, yes, they addressed the pitching in the form of adding two arms who are capable, which is more than what they've been able to say the last couple of years. Like, these guys, you know, can at least get through a season without having a balloon ERA. They'll be I four mean, in the Kyle mid Gibson fours, had a five, five dude. Yeah, I know. It, it, I, like, I'm saying generously, though, that this is a guy that you're not going to DFA, probably. Like, that's yeah, the difference, yeah. I guess. Like, he's an arm in your rotation that you are not DFA. Like, he's not going to be Patrick Corbin bad. And then that's the the right. fact that that's where we're drawing the line here is brutal. Like, why is Michael Waka not here? I don't even like him that much, but that'd be way better than Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson. So I think Gibson's going to be better this year. I really do. So I'm not going to you know, really knock them for that one. Cole Irvin on top of that was like, do one or the other and then do something actually good. So I, I don't, I don't love it. The, the, yeah. the Adam Frazier signing almost makes me want to make it a, a D minus, but I like the Michael Givens pickup. I think that's a sneaky bullpen option. I'm going to go D final D D final. Okay. So no, you... it won't be that long on any other signing. I just hate the Adam Frazier signing more than anything with how much I love the Orioles system, their upper level prospects. And the fact that, you know, that might take away ABs from these guys when they're still building towards the long-term future pisses me off. No, they decided to appease Adam Frazier and financially compensate him uh, above probably what he's worth relative to market value. And, and he is going to get at bats, take away at bats from Mateo, from Joey Ortiz, from Jordan Westberg, from Connor Norby. That's insane. Even Taryn Favre, Ben, I'm sticking with and Taren Favre. Favre had a 97 WRC plus last year in 40 games at the big league level and raked in AAA. So I get the vet thing. Like, I absolutely get the vet thing. Don't get me wrong. But why $9 million for a guy that can't do anything of impact? What? Imagine this. You don't sign Adam Frazier. You don't sign Kyle Gibson. You put that money together and then you go sign a better pitcher. Is that like, is that crazy? Cause that's $20 no, million dollars right there. It's not crazy. It's $19 million for the, for the 2023 season. My other thing is like, instead of Frazier, why didn't you look at like a Josh Harrison or something or an Elvis Andrews, if you did want to do that, because it's so much lower pay, like it's a lower price tag. Yeah. 
How about what a Jean Segura? Like a Jean Segura is roughly the same. It's cheaper. Jean's what? Two for thirteen. He's two for seventeen, I think. Two for. So 17. I guess you had to go the multi-year deal. AAV though, it's it's pretty much the same cheaper. I mean, dude, it's insane. And I guess they like his ability to play the corners, but then you're taking at bats away from Kowser or Stowers or or whatever the hell. I mean, it it was you like a, a corner outfielder who hits five home runs. I just I don't get no, it. I, I no. really don't get. I mean, that guy, like when I say 320, 320, 320, like Adam That's Frazier's. him. That's him. Yeah. Frazier's 320, 320, Although recently he's more 270, 270, 280. Like that's that's what you get from him. So Damn, yeah, he hit a D, double? D, <laughs> D, D, D for me, like no doubt. Um, okay. But at the end of the day, like this team's still going to be a little better. And it's just because they're naturally getting a little better. And that's the part that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what they do, but definitely a very dormant offseason, all things considered. Uh, I didn't mind the the James McCann edition in a vacuum, though. A veteran catcher who, you know, you know, whoever the backup is, is going to play as little as any backup in Major League Baseball. Correct. So you might as well have it be somebody that's a vet catcher that you really just want him for the defense and handling the staff and whatever. And you basically got him for free. And you know, he's still he's still worthwhile being a backup catcher. It's just the contract made him basically the most easily attainable piece in Major League Baseball, and the the Mets paid to, for him, you know, to go to the Orioles. So I, I, I like that move for them, but again, that's not a needle mover. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, all right, let, let's jump to Boston here, and this is going to be a conversation about the grade. We're getting, I feel like the the two negative ones out of the way first. The Boston Red Sox, the elephant in the room is Xander Bogarts is not on that team anymore. 11 for 280 with the San Diego Padres. Um, What, Michael Waka is not on that team anymore. Nathan Uvalde is not on that team anymore. Uh, But here's what they did. They extended Rafi Devers, 10 years, $313.5 million. They got the extension done with one of them. They signed Masataka Yoshida to five years, $90 million. They signed Kenley Jansen to two for 32, Chris Martin to two for 13 and a half. They signed Justin Turner, two for 21.7, Corey Kluber, one for 10, Adam Duvall, one for seven, Joely Rodriguez, who's going to get some bullpen innings for them, one for two million. They acquire Big Dick Blyer, Richard Blyer for Matt Barnes and Cash. Um, they acquire Adalberto Mondesi for left-hander Josh Taylor, and then they agree to minor league free agent deals with Jorge Alfaro, Nico Goodrum, Rymel Tapia, Greg Allen, Narciso Crook. Whew, that's a lot. Quantity over quality was the name yep. of the game for the Boston Red Sox. So instead of committing, you know, thirty million dollars to Xander Bogarts annually, they commit thirty million dollars to ten guys, which is just crazy. Um, I'm not a big fan of it at all, but what I will say is they tried their hardest to compensate knowing that they will be priced out. The fucking Boston Red Sox are getting priced yeah. out of their own guy. That should yeah. never happen in a million years. But when, when Heimblum had that moment in the airport, right, where his jaw was on the floor and he's like, we're not getting Xander back. Um, I think they did not a good job. They did a job of going to grab 10 guys to try and replace the war of one guy. I'm going to yep. give them a C minus because it's not like they did nothing and they got objectively worse. I think they'll probably, you know, finish the year with pretty similar record to what they did last year. Um, and if they didn't extend Devers and Devers was sitting here still in arbitration, sure. this would be a fat F a massive yeah. F 
but they lock up their superstar and they sign a bunch of guys that might be fine for them. C minus. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the analogy for it here. But well, first, I want to talk about the grade because we were talking about this before we recorded. And, you know, I think losing a player, you, you can't just be like A to B where it's like, oh, you lost Xander Bogarts, but you added this. So we're going to grade it this way. I, I think you got to look at, you know, what is their replacement? What do they have on their roster? And then, you know, how much of a deficit is that for them? So for, for the Red Sox, losing Xander Bogarts is a huge blow. There's there's no way around that, especially with the injury to Story, uh, which is something that they were kind of aware of. So especially with that considered, like that is a huge subtraction for them. That's not like some of the other teams that, you know, maybe have a surplus at a position. And like, let's say for the Twins, Luis Arias was a free agent and he walked or Pablo Lopez was a free agent and he walked. Like we're not probably knocking those teams too much for losing that because they have direct plugins that can, you know, really fill that void uh that that's not the case with Xander that said you know I think they've did an okay job like you said in the other areas like I think Duvall is an upside you know, a potential upside pickup there for that that's a guy that could hit pretty well he could hit uh, 25 can, homers yeah and he can play and I think he'll hit even better there right and he can play all three outfield spots Justin Turner was phenomenal in the second half last year that guy could still hit like don't get it twisted and I think that's a bat that really helps them I like Yoshida a lot like those are all good additions the problem is it feels like they're just trying to to almost give it like the college try you know like it's there's no way that they believe that this is going to work and I think the rotation is the biggest issue right when you let an Eovaldi go who who would have clearly been the number two in this rotation uh even a Waka who is probably due to regress I'm okay with them letting him walk because he's seeking a multi-year deal there's a reason why he hasn't been signed but letting both of them walk I think was 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 pretty big. The the offsetting doesn't quite make up for it. You know, if they if they offset equally, it would be a C, right? Like is that kind of how we're thinking? If they offset exactly what they what they lost, yeah. it'd be a wash, it's a C. Yes. I don't think they quite did that, but they did gain enough back, especially in the area of the bullpen. I don't love Kenley as a closer, but Kenley's still a hell of a lot better than Matt Barnes and whatever else they had going on. They needed a lefty. Blyer is going to be that lefty guy out of the pen who gets lefties out really well. does not get righties, but the Marlins needed a leverage guy. That was a good trade. You guys talked about that. Um, and then, you know, they go again to Chris Martin, who, look, I don't like how much they paid him, but he's good. He's a good yeah, reliever. So good. that upgrades them significantly there. So overall, you know, I think they gained enough back to salvage the offseason, but not enough to to say that they're better than they were last year. That, that I'm right with you again. We're, we're on the same page. It's a C- minus for me. Lineup, Yoshida, Kike Hernandez, Devers, Justin Turner, Alex Verdugo, Adam Duvall, Tristan Casas, Adalberto Mondesi, Reese McGuire. That's a bad lineup. The bench, Mondesi's probably not going to be ready. Uh, that reports are that Mondesi might not be ready. So that's, make that Christian Arroyo, buddy. Make it Christian Arroyo. I, as of right now, Fangraphs has the projected bench. I'm going to say Arroyo twice. Alfaro, Dahlbeck, Arroyo, Ref Snyder. That's a bad bench. Think and about this. Got, yeah. Oh, is it just think about the defense up the middle? I know Kike is supposed to be a good, he hasn't really played shortstop in a while. And oh, then sure. you've got an okay Christian Arroyo at second. You've got Duvall in center, who, like, I like the Duvall pickup. I don't like him playing center field every day, which is what he's going to have to do when, when you have Kike at short. The whole thing about Duvall before he got hurt was we were talking about how the Michael Harris promotion was so great because it got Duvall into a corner slash DH role. He's still a great defender in a corner, so it was mostly left field. And guess what happened when he got out of center field? His legs were back under him again, and he started hitting really well before he got hurt. 
I wonder how he's going to be able to, to now after a season ending injury, how his legs are going to stay under him in everyday reps in center field. I imagine they're going to try to, you know, manage that, that workload a little bit, but who you putting out there, Rob Ref Snyder, Jaron Duran, like that's the other part of it that I don't get. Not why yet. are they not trading for Michael a Taylor when they're calling about Mondesi? Like, why is Michael A. Taylor not a thought here? Somebody that you can also, you know, mix into the equation there. I, I think they're leaving themselves very exposed and God forbid if, if Kike Hernandez gets hurt, what are you doing? I don't what know. are you doing? You're calling up Emmanuel Valdez? Like they are one injury away too. I think that's a thing that people don't realize also from being in a really, really tough spot. Like if one of these guys gets hurt, you're you're really, really out of the comfort zone, especially up the middle. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I do think that they made some other solid moves. And I don't mind the Mondesi addition at all. I think that was a pretty nice pickup given that they gave up nothing. Yeah, uh, and there's plenty you got of a guy on a there. thin team. You mentioned like no farm. They don't have many backup plans. You got the most fragile athlete in sports over the last Correct. two, three years in Mondesi. Oh, totally. Totally, which is why that the roster spot on the bench shouldn't be occupied by Bobby Dalbeck when you have Tristan Casas and Justin Turner, right? Like there's also like roster inefficiencies here that don't make sense to me uh, and and some 40-man decisions that I think were kind of head scratchers. Like Thad Ward, I think Thad Ward's going to have a better year than Nick Pavetta. Like yes. I, I think F-war-wise, I think Thad Ward has a better F-war. So there was some head scratchers there, but again, I don't think it was a total disaster. And I do think given how bad shit hit the fan when Xander left and we're like, oh man, this, this whole thing could fall apart. I do think that Bloom picked himself up and they, you know, didn't panic and they salvaged this thing enough to put a team together that won't suck and, and will be at least in the conversation of things up until the end of the summer. And then I think they'll run out of gas pitching wise. Their transaction page kind of looks like they panicked if we're being honest. Well, I think it was, I think it was almost like a well-controlled panic. They're like they had to figure out what they're going to do. And I don't hate any of the moves. If you don't hate any of the moves and it wasn't a bad panic, right? Like I don't hate any of the moves in a vacuum. Um, right. So, you know, I, I do agree. It was kind of like a, a flurry of, all right, we got to piece this shit together, but I thought they did it with, with some decent decision-making and I don't hate the moves that they made overall. It just obviously isn't enough. When looking at them in a vacuum, when looking at them individually, but as a cohesive unit, they may not click. And we're talking about Kike Hernandez and Adam Duvall. You've got a 32-year-old at short, and you've got a 34-year-old in center. Like that, Both off of injury-laden seasons. There we go. Uh, so we said lineup, bad. Depth, really bad. This starting rotation of Sale, who's been hurt for the last two years. I think he's going to be good. Kluber, Pavetta, Paxton, Whitlock. That's a pretty bad rotation. All injured guys, too, besides Pavetta, who is, is I think could be the least talented arm of, of that group. So yeah, it's 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 an iffy rotation, too. It's Crazy. definitely bad. But the bullpen, heck of a lot better. Heck of a lot better. All right. So I gave it a C minus. What do you give it? I'm I'm with you. C minus. We're on the same page so far. Damn. No good. I think this All is right. where it changes, though. This might be where it changes. The New York Yankees is next. Uh here's what they did. They re-signed Aaron Judge after he tested free agency to nine years, $360 million. They signed Carlos Rodon to six years, $162 million. They let Anthony Rizzo test free agency, two years, $40 million. They signed Tommy Canely to a two-year, $11.5 million deal. You bring Canely back, and they signed some outfield depth. Rafael Ortega, Willie Calhoun, Michael Hermosillo, and Billy McKinney to minor league deals. 
This is almost an identical team, and I want you to go first. Yeah, it, that's the tough part, right? So we're talking about the addition side of things, or or I excuse me, the subtraction side of things, right? You, you let a player walk, how do we grade that? How about just re- doing the bare minimum of, of extending a, your best player? Like, how much are we rewarding that, right? Of course, bravo, you you retain Aaron Judge. Well, you know, it's pretty easy to do when you got $360 million, right? So, and, and he always wanted to be there and you have that, that the hometown effect on him as, as the organization that, you know, brought him up and developed him. And, and there's a lot of credit to that, but that doesn't go into the offseason grades here. So my biggest issue is this, like you said, it's the same. And that lineup, bro, like that infield, they're, they're literally running it back, but more expensive. Like that's the lineup wise. It's let's do it again, but at, with a higher price tag, that part I don't like, but it's hard to give them anything below a, a passing grade and better. And it's going to be better than a passing grade. When you add Carlos Rodon, right? Like when you add a guy that is capable of being a top five pitcher in this game, when he is healthy and he's just had the healthiest season of his career, like, yeah, they're they're They, they paid a lot and they're going to feel it maybe on the back end. But we're not in the back end yet. Right now, we're we're talking about the offseason. So that part of it really makes it solid. But other than that, I mean, they didn't really make, you know, many other major, major moves. So it really is how much we, we just talked about the Red Sox quantity over quality. How much do you put into the quality over quantity here when they could have probably used a little bit more quantity in the Bronx, especially in the lineup side? So if they got more lineup quality, if they went and got another five type starter, um, I think this would actually be an A because we have to remember. And like, I think we're a bit phased by what happened after the all-star break, where this team just kind of fell off the face of the earth and Giancarlo couldn't hit. And, you know, like everything was going sour for them and the pitching wasn't as good as it was. Um, You lose Tyone, you replace Tyone in this rotation with Carlos Rodon and the shoulder surgery for Montas sucks. That frankly sucks. Um, But I can't ding them for that because that's just really, really unfortunate. The way I view it is you've got a 99 win team that said run it back, but you added one of the best left-handers in the game, maybe the best left-handed arm in the game. So you've got this rotation that stacks up as Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon. That's an elite two. It's probably the second best pairing atop a rotation in baseball, only behind Verlander and Scherzer. And even then, Cole and Rodon's going to age a lot better than the two 40-year-olds, right? And Verlander and Scherzer. Um I feel really good about that front two with Nestor and Seve on the back end. Um, that could be the best. That could, that could be the best rotation in baseball. It could be the best rotation in baseball. And Aaron Judge was the best player in baseball last year. He could do it again. Anthony Rizzo could have a 30 homer season at that short porch. John Carlo could be back. You get a full year of Harrison Bader. You get a full year of promising rookie shortstops, whether it be Peraza or in June or July, you replace Peraza with Volpe. Um, like, I think this team is really good because of the Rodon thing. Like, again, if they just held serve and brought Rizzo and judge back, it was a C because of the Rodon thing. I push them to a a B flat B. So my challenge is this, you know, we, we picked apart the Red Sox here. Like 
we got to we got to do it with the Yankees right here in terms of that outfield. Um, you know, and not really the whole outfield. It's really the left side of the field, I should say. Third base, left field. Nobody is taking Josh Donaldson's contract on. No one's doing it. And at this point, you might as well see what he can do, I guess, next year. But for me, Josh Donaldson's a bench bat. And if he doesn't like that, a bench slash platoon bat, you probably get him three, four hundred plate appearances when it's all said and done. That's how I'd be going into this year. Aaron Hicks, like the fact that you have Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson on the roster is a travesty, but the fact that they are both slated to start is also a bit of a travesty. And I think TJ LeMahieu will probably end up getting some more reps at third. I don't know what the whole plan is for them there. I don't really know how they they plan to you know balance out ABs here. Um, I think there could have been ways to to improve that specifically left field. And we know that they surveyed the market. They were in on Ryan Reynolds. They were in on some other guys. I just don't know how you don't upgrade left field and third base. Those were two areas that were really rough last year, and they don't really have any internal options at left. They have some internal options at third. Peraza could play third. He'd be an elite defender there, and then he could bring up Volpe. Um, They've got some other potential options, but I don't really like anybody that can help them in the immediate future in the outfield. I don't don't think we're going to be waiting on, you know, some of the guys that they've been waiting on forever in triple a uh, that just haven't been able to pan out yeah. like Floreal. So yeah, I'm okay with the pitching depth. I think they've got enough guys that can plug in. Even if, if Montes isn't healthy, uh, they, I think they've got enough dudes. I, I think Clark Schmidt's a fine five. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've, they've got pl- plenty other dudes that could plug in as well. Uh, but the left field third base situation makes me very uneasy uh, when you really consider what they what they could have added, but that said, like Oswaldo Cabrera could go out there and left and be fine. Uh, you could probably figure something out one way or another. And DJ LeMahieu's versatility definitely helps. And Isaiah Counterfleet can't hit, but at least you know he'll be a great defender and put bat on ball. If that's your nine hitter playing third, if Donaldson's a disaster, it's not the worst thing, but it, it's not great. So here's the thing: I think that I would be looking at this lineup with so much more optimism if. On fan graphs, like on roster resource, on the depth chart on MLB.com or wherever you go and get your depth chart. Um, if LeMayhew was slated at third and not Donaldson, Donaldson was on the bench. And if Cabrera was slated in left and not Aaron Hicks, honestly, like that changes my perception of this lineup entirely. Because LeMayhew is yeah. objectively better than Donaldson at this point. And I've got a real soft spot for Cabrera just because I think this guy will fulfill a role exceptionally well at the major league level. I think he's the best option in left and, and have Hicks be that bench, you know, fourth outfielder type. But yeah, if they relegate Donaldson to the bench and, and start LeMahieu, then at third, like that's, that works for me. Like that it, makes things look a lot better. This grade comes down to Aaron Boone, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. opening day, opening day is, is opening day. You know, you probably run out the 37 year old and the 33 year old and left. Right. But I want to know game six of the season. You want to put your A lineup out there. What does it look like? And, and if Aaron Boone thinks that Donaldson and Hicks belong in that lineup, then I'm going to disagree with Aaron Boone somehow. Like just, you're just telling me they, they couldn't go get Max Kepler. And Max Kepler in, in left field is is so much better. I've seen guys with harder contracts to deal with get DFA'd than Aaron Hicks. That's an, yeah, hundred percent. So like he needs to be that almost has me like the lineup situation almost pushes me to a B minus, but when you retain judge and Rizzo and add Carlos Rodon, it's hard to give a B minus. I I'll probably go with a B as well. So we're still on the same track. Dude, this is craziness. 
All right. Um, Tampa. I think this is actually where we may differ because my grade is relative to the Tampa Bay Rays. It can't be relative to the rest of baseball. No, it has to be relative to the rest of baseball. Yeah. For you. Damn. Okay. I got to think about it. Okay. Wait, let's flush this out. And I have this exact thought too, bro. But like, here's the thing we have to, to, you know, grade it fairly. And I feel like they don't make, not every decision they make is genius. Right. And this team has to won a world until they win multiple world series in a row. I think we give them too much credit. I love what they do. I was just texting you about like all of the little minor moves that I love. And we just talked about them on, you know, in terms of when we broke down the farm system on the call up, like there's brilliant things that they do that give them sustainably just deep talent uh, top the from top to bottom of the organization. That said, they have not been able to put it all together at the highest level. And that's especially in like some of the, the free agent moves, the trades, whatever it may be at the top. They're great at the between the margins moves and they're great at just perpetually being good. But until they win a World Series and until they're like, you know, really like always there Astros level dynasty, I'm not going to just give them credit like, oh, it's the Rays. They're operating their own way. Like I'm going to give them credit for that in some regard, but I'm going to draw the line right here where. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to say they had a bad off season. If I don't think they had a good off season. And I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on this team. So they signed Zach Eflin to a three-year, $40 million deal, which is absurd by Tampa Bay Rays standards. They must see something in Eflin that I frankly don't see. I I do see that Eflin (laughs) is like a fine pitcher, but I don't think he's a three-year, $40 million pitcher when you've got Jeffrey Springs as a four-year, $31 million pitcher. I think Springs is much better than Zach Eflin at this point. I would be paying Springs more in total money and in annual money. He got less in both regards to Zach Eflin. The two guys that they add are Zach Eflin and Kevin Kelly, who is a rule five pick from Colorado. Tampa went and traded for him. He is funky arm slot, right-handed reliever, just another guy that's going to be good for the Tampa Bay Rays. And then they locked up three guys that were on their team in 2022. Jeffrey Springs, four years, $31 million extension. Yandy Diaz, three years, $24 million extension. Pete Fairbanks, three years, $12 million extension. This team is also without G-Man Choi. They traded him to Pittsburgh. So, I mean, this team, like, they did next to nothing. You could say that Eflin is the only real addition until Kevin Kelly is an all-star this year, and he's Kittredge 2.0, right? Um, Relative to Tampa off-seasons, I had an A-minus here because they never do shit. But if you're making me compare this to the rest of the league, it's a C minus. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really like anything that they that they did. Like F one is fine. Um, I'll say I'll say C because they pretty much remained the exact same. Yeah, I the Kevin Kelly pickup like technically a rule five pickup. Yeah. They traded for him after the rule. five. It's the same thing. I think they have to follow the the same rule five rules anyway. So it's basically a rule five pickup. I liked the Jeffrey Springs extension. I I thought that was bold, but, but I think the right move for them, but you look at the lineup, bro. Like they're going to be starting what Isak Paredes at third. Uh, The outfield is going to be some version of Randy Rosarena. Uh, Manny Margot and Jose Siri. Uh, I really like Josh Lowe, but I don't know how, how they feel about him and how much they're going to play him. 
they've got a lot of good internal options. And I think that's why they didn't really do anything. And that's the tough part. Like Curtis Mead could be up very soon. I still think Jonathan Aranda is going to mash. I think people are, you know, we're too quick to, to write him off. I don't love Vidal Bruhan, but that's a fine bench piece. The, the rotation doesn't really need much. So th- that's my challenge here is, what did what should they have done? We talked about what the Yankees should have done. We talked about what the Red Sox and the Orioles should have done. What could the Rays have done to make this a better offseason? Because they already made the move for Siri. Clearly, they believe in him being a productive player for them. Um, I, Margot was really good until he got banged up. So in a corner, that that's a really good hitter for them there. Harold Ramirez was good for them. A lot of these guys had good years last year, or it's somebody that's coming back off injury. Uh, like a Brandon Lau, that you're you're not going to block him. You want to see if he can get back to 39 home run Brandon Lau. So it's tough because I want to criticize them for not making any moves, really anything crazy, but like what moves did we want them to make? They don't need to go get relievers. Their rotation was sound. They went and got the one arm that is a depth arm for them at this point. He's going to be like their four or five. And then their lineup's kind of accounted for, right? When we go through it, tell me where you would have upgraded Jack. Uh, First base, Yandy Diaz. No, you just extended no. him. Wanda Franco at short. No. no. Randy Rosarena in left. No. No. Brandon Lau at second. W- no. Would you have not? You wouldn't have upgraded there, right? No. Harold Ramirez. Yes. I upgrade there. I wanted Josh Bell on this team. If Josh Bell was in this lineup instead of Harold Ramirez, I think this is a masterclass for Merrick Neander. Yeah. So here's the thing Curtis Mead knocking on the door, but I guess you're not, you're not making moves to not block prospects, right? Like that's definitely, I think also like there's space for Mead. If you want to put Mead at third, Isak Paredes. Yeah. He's better than Paredes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that I agree. I think the, the masher was kind of what was missing, you know, especially when I think Harold's going to regress. Like I hits the ball on the ground, hits the ball on the ground more than anybody. Um, and, and I think Paredes could easily regress. This guy pulls the ball more than anybody ran into a ton of home runs, but like he's very platoon. I think very platoon dependent and I don't think brings much else to the table. Sneaky only 24, but still. And then I think they could probably have had, I don't know how much I love Christian Betancourt, but Mejia's good. I think that platoon's fine. Yeah. I think getting that, that one more bat, especially at the DH first base type type spot would have really helped a lot, but I agree. They didn't have that many areas of really needing to address. So I'm trying to decide if I want to give them a C or a C plus because it's, for me, it's almost status quo. Um, yeah. You don't think they needed to upgrade in center. They went and got Siri. They have Margot, who is also a, a phenomenal defensive center fielder. And then they have Josh Lowe, who I, again, I still really like. So like, that's not really how they operate. You like, regard. you know how I feel about Siri and you know, a lot of it's in jest, but some of it, I genuinely believe like that guy has tools out the ass. If it's going to click for anybody, it's going to click in Tampa. Dude. Um, Margot, they already extended, like they weren't going to move Margot. I wish they had a better option in right than Manny Margot. Um, but I, I'm so much happier with Siri in center for a whole year as opposed to Kiermaier. And I love a platoon idea of Siri and, and Josh Lowe. Um, I, I think that could be a really fun platoon. With they would steal probably a combined fifty bases. Yeah. They could hit a combined forty home runs. <laughs> like yeah. that's very possible. Um, and Margot again, he's a just a great defender in the corner. That's another area. Exact 
for right field first base DH is one of the spots that we probably could have seen an upgrade. Maybe Aranda can get by in the corner outfield if they want to try it. I'm between C and C plus because did this team get better than last year? We can't give them credit for getting glass now back or, or anything like that. The thing is they get better by getting healthier. Like they, they get presumably a full year of Wander Franco. They get presumably a full year of Brandon Lau. They get presumably a full year of Tyler glass now. So you're running out a front four of McClanahan glass. Now Rasmus and Springs Boz is still on the men. Taj Bradley could be up very soon. Oh, by the way, they paid $40 million to Eflin. I think this team's going to be really good, but obviously you look at the lineup and they don't have the name recognition. They don't have guys that have done it so many times. So naturally we have doubt there. And like, I, I can't, it's really hard for me to separate how I view this offseason when, when I'm just viewing it as like, oh, classic race. Like they did great because they're going to be great again. They were also the, I think, the most injured team in baseball last year. Like yeah. every single important player was hurt at a certain point. And they had so many guys going down. And I think they have the right to try to see who can contribute early on. Because the thing with the Rays is they could go make a move early in season. They could go make a move in May, June. Or, or and then in July around the deadline, like there's a, a lot of other moves that they could potentially make as they sort out where they're at, right? If we see Paredes hit a wall uh, and and Mead is maybe not ready, could they go make a trade? Uh, if Brendan Lau just doesn't seem to be able to get back and get healthy, like could we see them go make another move? Like that's the thing is is they could be wanting to wait and see because there's a lot of guys that I think they they just deserve the benefit of the doubt to get some more abs and see how they can do. Like Harold er- Ramirez earned himself the opportunity to start this year, but if he fully regresses, then could they go out and trade for a masher? So I think that's part of this here too. So with the extensions factored in and and how banged up they were and and how how many answers they still need to try to find around some of these players, I'm going to give them a C plus, I think. Okay. All right. Um, When Jamar Candelario is on this Rays team uh, in July, let's go (laughs) chat. All right. So you give him C plus? Yep. I gave him C. All right, there we're different. I'm very excited about that. Last one, the Toronto Blue Jays. They were active, and I think we might be coming in at pretty high numbers for Toronto. Uh, the big one, obviously, was the biggest trade that happened this offseason. They acquired Dalton Varsho for Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They moved Teoscar Hernandez to Seattle. In return, they get Eric Swanson, who immediately becomes the setup guy to Romano, and Adam Mako, who's a minor league. He's a left-handed prospect. Um, they signed Chris Bassett to three years, 63. They signed Brandon Belt to a one-year, $9.5 million deal. They signed Kevin Kiermeyer to a one-year, $9 million deal. They signed Chad Green, who's still recovering from Tommy John surgery, to a two-year, $8.5 million deal with club options for 9 mil in 24, 25, and 26. It's a crazy contract structure. If you're fascinated by that stuff at all, I would go you know, recommend reading up uh, about that Chad Green Toronto contract. It's like, it's too, I don't know. Like we get into the weeds a lot on this show, but we don't need to get into the weeds on the Chad <laughs> Green contract style. Yeah, no, um, no. They also acquire Zach Thompson in a trade. They sign Winton Bernard to a minor league deal in terms of just outfield depth and Bernard, a a feel good story here. Um, Varsho is massive. And and the conversation that we were having about the Blue Jays offense is they needed to get more left-handed. They got a lot more left-handed here with Varsho, with Bell. Um, 
Care and then the the other thing that jumps out to me is they went and signed a $60 million pitcher to try and hedge the possibility of Jose Barrios sucking again. I wish they went and got a, a an arm I feel more comfortable with than Chris Bassett. I, I'm telling you, Bassett feels like one of these Walenda brothers, like part of this Walenda family. Like every single outing is a tightrope act from him because the stuff lives in the zone. Nothing really jumps out. It's like, damn, that's nasty. So right now it's Manoa, Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi. Ricky Tiedemann is meteoric. He's like painter levels rising quickly. Um, so Tiedemann could be up by the end of the year. We'll see. Um I think they got better, man. Like I, I gave him a B plus. So the thing with Bassett is I don't trust him in terms of being that big game, you know, hand him the ball game five of the series, whatever it is, but we're talking about a rotation that needed to get through 162. This is a team that's you know trying to win the division. They're always you know, kind of just skate into the playoffs and they find themselves in a tough spot. And, and, it, and it's hard because you've got to match up against the aces. Uh, I think Bassett can really help them flirt with first place potentially. And the thing with Bassett is it's almost been an interesting curve of like underrated, underrated, underrated. And then he goes to the Mets and, and then it was overrated. almost like, I feel like people started to overrate him a little bit. And now I think people are like underrating him by talking about how overrated he is because it, not to put your mind in a pretzel, but this is a three, four, five ERA in his career. Yeah. And he hasn't been any worse over the last couple of years. You look at 2020, 229. He was do- just absolutely dominant for Oakland. 2021, 315 ERA. Then he goes to the big lights in the big city in, in New York in 181 innings, which was a career high last year, a 342 ERA. That's really solid. And that's in a tough division. So for me, I, I feel like Bassett is almost had this interesting curve of getting back to underrated again. Uh, and this is somebody that I think could be a really, really solid three for them. I like the Zach Thompson depth pickup with how much they've too. struggled to stay healthy. This is a guy that looks really good with the Marlins was took a step back with the pirates, but even as, as a struggling arm last year, like a five one eighty RA again, that's a guy that you can plug in in an emergency and you know, you're not fucked. And that's there. You need more guys like that. You need more, you, you call him sacrificial lambs. Like, I think that's the guy that you're like, Oh, we're fucked. He's just above sacrificial lamb. You need guys that are above sacrificial lamb. They got one of those. Um, when it comes to the left-handed bats, I love what they did, man. Yeah. And in a vacuum, you, we can talk about how trading Gabriel, Gabriel Moreno and Guriel for Varsho was, we talked about it, kind of a little bit more. You're putting out a little bit more than you're getting in, right? Yeah. But you're not subtracting anything from the big league roster besides yeah. Guriel, but you're swapping Guriel for Varsho. So that's a, a major upgrade. You know, so at, at that point, I'm looking at this team as they just simply got better by a pretty good margin. Dude, it, it's what you needed. I compared, what was it? I think it was on the Friday episode, the mailbag, where I compared that trade, Varsho for Moreno and Lourdes Curiel to Halliburton for Sabonis with some yeah. other pieces, right? Halliburton healed and and I think like Tristan Thompson or some shit for Sabonis at a pick. Um, DeMontis Sabonis was needed in Sacramento. Halliburton was not needed in Sacramento because they already had De'Aaron Fox um, and healed was just surplus shooting. So think about it. One of the bright young stars in the game, Halliburton is excess because you already have a top point guard at the position. 
Gabby Moreno was excess. While he is a bright young catching prospect in baseball and one of the best prospects in all of Major League Baseball right now, you already had a top five guy at the position in Alejandro Kirk and a damn good backup in Danny Jansen. Not on expiring contracts either. So Halliburton equals Moreno. Lourdes Gurriel, excess. Good player, excess. Didn't need him. You had a bunch of the same guy. Buddy Heald, Sacramento already had shooters. Lourdes Gurriel is Buddy Heald. Sabonis, while he is good, he fits what Sacramento needed. They needed a pair, a pick-and-roll guy with De'Aaron Fox. Dalton Varsho, really, really good. But what he does for the Toronto Blue Jays takes them over the top because, again, they needed to get left-handed. They needed some power versatility. Varsho fills every single role that Toronto didn't have. Varsho is Sabonis, Moreno is Halliburton, and uh, Lourdes Gurriel is Buddy Heald for your basketball people. Yeah. So here's my question, though, because I think you you hit the nail on the head. That was money. That was great. Did, how much better did they get when we do the, the transactional thing here? What came in, what went out, right? So you broke down that trade. I think that's clear that that's a net positive. But they do subtract Teos. Oscar Hernandez and his 800 OPS, which yeah. is pretty good. And yeah. I think he's a little bit, I think he's almost a little overrated at this point because he doesn't play great defense and he doesn't get on base at all. 316 OBP. Still a great hitter, 25 homers. He's a really exciting player with, with big pop. But you subtract Tay Oscar, you subtract Gurriel, who had a 743 OPS. You you bring in Varsho, who's going to put up a way better war than than either of those guys. I think he's going to have a higher war than both of them combined. Uh, but you bring in Varsho, who's going to be an elite defender, probably put up similar offensive numbers to Tay Oscar. I think he's going to hit around 25 home runs. I think he's going to hit around 270. I think he's going to slug around 4, 480, 490. I think he can slug that high. Uh, he's going to give you way more stolen bases and way more elite defense. Uh, so it's not going to be close in that regard. But Gurriel... To Kiermaier. And I know it's kind of weird because in, in this process, we're moving George Springer to a corner, which yeah. I do think has to have some value in itself. Yes. So we're talking about a guy that has struggled to stay healthy and I think will benefit offensively from moving out there. But Kiermaier is not going to hit nearly as well as Gurriel. The difference is this outfield defensively is netting way more outs above average. I don't even know what it is, but it's going to be exponentially better in terms of defense. Yeah. Offensively, it might be a wash. It might be a wash offensively because Kiermaier, you're hoping for a 700 OPS. You're probably getting a 680, uh, but he's going to play still, I think, elite defense out there. But let's say Kiermaier really can't carry his weight, dude. Who are you putting out there? Like, let's say he, he hits a wall. He can't hit. What are you doing? They don't really have any other options. No. Who do they, they plug don't. out there? They don't Kevin have another Biggio? option. It might be Kevin yeah, Biggio. Um it might, be, it might be Merrifield. Merrifield. It would be Whit Merrifield. That's not be, the worst. It would be Merrifield, and you put Santiago Espinal in his place at second, and I really like Espinal. So you I know, think this team, you know, yeah. I was going to say, I almost wish I, Danny Jansen could play outfield out there because I like his bat. But I, I do like that contingency plan because we know Witt can play center, right? Like he he can yeah. play center field. Um, whether it's Springer going back to center and Witt playing right or left with Varsho in the other corner, or it's Witt hopping in center and Springer's just the full-time right fielder and Varsho the full-time left fielder. Um, I like that. I think that Witt Merrifield's going to get a lot of plate appearances. I think that he's going to get a lot of innings in the outfield. And I think that Santiago Espinal is going to get a lot of plate appearances. I bet he's a 500 plate appearance guy because I, I think that they signed Kiermaier 
knowing whatever they get from him offensively is great. He's the nine hitter. He is far and away the least valuable bat in one of the best lineups in baseball, if not the best lineup in baseball. That's the other thing. This is already one of the better lineups in baseball. One through eight. I mean, it's hard to find more impact here. Um, so I don't necessarily think you needed to upgrade offensively. I think that they saw a chance to pounce on defensive acumen and they did it, but yeah. I feel great about Espinal, Kiermaier and Merrifield just constantly being in like this carousel. I got a question for you. Yeah. How the fuck did Ramo Tapia have 433 point appearances last year? Yeah, no, I mean, dude, Bradley Zimmer was getting played appearances. It's, Where did that happen, though? Because you have 493 from Lourdes Gurriel. I guess he didn't play as much left field as, as I'm remembering. Um, I guess they had to move and shake a lot because Gurriel was DHing. Yeah, so we're talking about the outfield eight, like you know, A to B change here. It, it's a little different because we you got to account for Kiermaier replacing 433 plate appearances of Rymel Tapia, which I think will put up the same, same offense, if not better, and way better defense. So that helps the case a lot. I was, you know, looking at, at how many plate appearances went to Tapia there. And yeah, I think, you know, it was mostly Guriel DHing. So in that case, too, I love the Swanson addition in the bullpen. That makes their bullpen a lot better. Yimmy Garcia, Anthony Bass, those guys are solid enough. Those aren't guys I want in the eighth inning. Those are guys I love in the seventh inning. Yep. So now you got Swanson in the eighth. Romano is a closer. That's great. Honestly, Ross Stripling with- lose it is a big loss. Honestly, same with Mesa and Simber, too. I feel good about yeah. that. Stripling is a big loss. Stripling was a three ERA guy, and he helped them out when Barrios stunk it up. Um, yeah, I was just like looking at the available starting pitcher free agents, and there were just so many other guys that I would have liked to see in a Blue Jays uniform instead of Chris Bassett. Like they, as of right now, Kikuchi is the only left hander in that starting rotation. I would have preferred Tyler Anderson. Over Chris Bass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, even Nathan Yavaldi on a two-year deal. I think I would have preferred Yavaldi over just the upside Bass, of it. Just the upside of Nathan Yavaldi. Um, <laughs> I probably like the same, but I might have sided with Jose Quintana over Bassett. That that sure. one I like more because I, I do find myself a little bit risk averse when it comes to adding to this rotation because you have Manoa who looks phenomenal, but you know, let's, let's see how he follows it up. If he can match it. I think he will, he will be really good next year. Kevin Gossman should be more than fine. No questions about those two at the end of the day, but Burrios, big question. Kikuchi, massive question, right? So, and then reuse hurt. So you kind of needed to, to pencil in a third guy in there that you trust and Bassett. Again, we can go back to how I, I trust him. I don't know if I trust Yavaldi. I almost wish they added one of the guys you mentioned on top, right? I would have preferred to see Tyler Anderson added on top of this. So I'm not counting on you, say Kikuchi. I just uh, don't want to block to, Nate to... Pearson. Is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing, too. You don't have to really worry about anybody coming up other than Tiedemann. And Tiedemann's still far from being built up to a big league starter in terms of workload. Look at his game logs. He, they barely have stretched him out. So uh, that's that's something there that, that I, I hear you. But at the same time, I kind of... I like the the calmness that Chris Bassett brings, given I, the rest of that rotation. Yeah, I hear you. So Manoa, Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi. Mitch White is probably the six, but I need you to tell me a bit more about Yasmer Zulueta, who is probably the seven right now. He's probably the first guy up. Yeah, Yasmer Zulueta is pretty gross. And that's something that I I believe one of our new writers uh, that are jumping on really soon are going to are going to do a dive on Yasmer cuz he's he's a really interesting case. 
crazy velo. I was just pulling up. I wanted to see what the fastball velo was. I didn't remember it off the top. Average 97 miles an hour at this past season. Command's pretty, pretty off though. Like he, he's definitely a little bit far off in that department. So I'm interested to see if they try to use him in the bullpen role or like a swing man, but that's another arm that can you know come in and, and make an impact. And I also think Nate, Nate Pearson is going to be able to throw and, and make an impact this year as well. I don't know how they're going to use him. I'm interested to see how that, how that works, but they have more pitching options this year, I think, than they've really ever had uh, in, in recent seasons. So that does say a lot for them. And, and again, I think outfield and lineup overall upgraded Brandon belt. Also, I love the upside of that addition. I'm really excited about Brandon Belt. I think he could be great. I like the backup plan of Spencer Horowitz because I still think that guy can really hit. He's going to get an opportunity as an underrated prospect, but I love the Belt edition. So lineup improved. Rotation, I'd say is the same, is roughly the same because Ross Tripling gave you a, a three flat last year in 130 something innings. So you figure Bassett gives you a three, four and 170 innings, relatively the same. I'd say the rotation's kind of a, a wash. Yeah. Bullpen better with Swanson. So I think with how with the control that they acquired with what they were able to do with, with this far show deal, because they had no outfielders that I was looking at anytime soon. Uh, that, that makes a big difference for them. I'm going to go, I'm like teetering on giving them almost just a flat out A. Yeah. Because I, went, I like how much I went B they plus. Acquired. I'm going to go A minus. A minus. Okay. So you gave Toronto an A minus. I gave him a B plus. You gave Tampa a C plus. I gave him a C. You gave New York a B. I gave New York a B. You gave the Red Sox a C minus. I gave the Red Sox a C minus. And then we both gave the Baltimore Orioles D's. So, yep. All right. I thought Um, we'd be further off on some of these. I thought so too. Let me pull up the odds real quick to win the division because I, I do want to like do this right because I I think this will will tell you a lot about which teams are creating optimism with their off season as we go in to this. Um, according to DraftKings, as I open up Major League Baseball division winner, here we go. The AL East: the Yankees are plus one hundred five. The Blue Jays are plus two twenty. Tampa is plus 380. The Red Sox are plus 1,900. The Orioles are plus 2,200. What, what jumps out? Sounds about – that's almost chronological with our – like lines up with our grades. Yeah. For the most part. And I, I think that's that's pretty fair. I think what, what stands out to me, honestly, is, is how far ahead the Yankees are. Yeah. Um, I get it because they won 99 and they technically – added to the team and, and they have some prospects that could come up and make an impact. I think Peraza is going to be awesome, but I, I I'm pretty excited to sprinkle a little bit on, on the Blue Jays to win this division. Cause I don't think they're done either. I, I, I'm not saying in this off season, but I think they, they're going to be aggressive at the deadline, especially if they can smell that division. If they can sniff that thing, they're going to make a move. So I'm not expecting this team to slow down anytime soon with, with the aggression. And I think a lot of their guys are naturally going to make a leap and we'll get into that later. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think it, I think it's interesting. I think the only thing that stands out to me is maybe that the blue Jays. even then though, the blue Jays are giving them credit with those odds to put him second yeah. there. Plus uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Can I just say because of the starting rotation, Tampa at plus three eighty is very appealing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the guys that they could have come up and make an impact. 
Yep. All right. Grading the off seasons will continue. Peter and I will do the AL Central tomorrow. Every link you need is in the show notes. Go listen to the call up. Go listen to Show and Go with Taylor Davis uh, and the Just Fantasy Show. Just Fantasy is is ramping up here. So talk to you guys tomorrow. 